Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 381, Reinventing Performance. And today we're going to be talking about just that. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today from the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Francis Scholl, author of Squircle, A New Way to Think for a New World. Welcome, Francis. Thanks for joining me. Oh, let's try that again. Welcome, Francis. We'll try that again. <laughs> okay, okay. I can hear you now. I can hear you now. <laughs> so okay. great to okay, I don't know have why. you. <laughs> great to have you with us. Um, let's start by you telling me a bit about who you are and what you do, and then um, what is Squirkle? <laughs> sure. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Joe, um, and thank you to your listeners. So my name is Francis Charles. As you said, I was born in Paris and I moved to the United States about 25 years ago. Um, I created a consulting firm, a management consulting firm called the human company that obviously honors the human factor um, in, um, in the process of creating value in the competitive world of business. So the, the subject of performance, of course, is at the heart of every, of every organization um, because that's the way you, you thrive, you succeed, or you survive sometimes when the market's getting hard. And, um, and that's something that you cannot escape. How, however, the way you go about it, you know, as you were saying, there are, there are some better ways than others, um, is really at the center of our, of our concern. And the model Squircle is a, um, a simple model to really people get to see where the opportunity lies. So square plus circle equals squircle. Square, our logical mind, and circle, our human body, our sensations, perceptions, intuition, equal squircle. So squircle is there to make us understand that if you keep the circle, our human experience in flesh, within a square, you're limiting our natural strength to adapt, to create, to perform. And that's where most companies live together because we, we, we control everything through a logical mind in business. We want to control through a strategy the outcome. And that has a lot of merit. But in a world that's more and more unpredictable, that way, conventional way of doing things is actually counterproductive. And where you need an extra mind of performance and effort from your teams, you will not be able to find that extra mind if you stay in that box, in that square, in that logical thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much, it's very simple to understand. It's a visual also so people can see it, what it does to the circle to be within the square and what it does to the square when it's now suddenly held by an expensive circle. And, mm-hmm. and, and you immediately see it and, and then you can start realizing. So, you know, it's a big realization and we take people through an experience to realize what it is rather than teaching them. And then we explain the experience, the serious game we take them through 
we explain it, we explain what happens to them through the series game, um, their ability to tap into their natural strengths and perform better and faster than if they operate from their logical mind. And then we explain mm-hmm. through science why it works. Um, mm. So that's what called <clears throat> in a nutshell and how it relates to performance. <clears throat> and I was um, surprised to hear that a squircle is actually a thing. I, I was Googling your your book um, before the the call, and there's loads of stuff out there about squircle as a sort of mathematical shape, which I didn't realize at all. <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. invented the phrase <laughs> or the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let's talk about how that applies then to employee engagement and um, yeah, and why it's so important. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, we all know that engagement is an issue globally. I think there's some studies by Gallup, you know, that's updated every two years um, that shows that the level of engagement in the workplace is actually quite low, quite low uh, worldwide. I think it's around 13%. Some some countries mm-hmm. are higher than others, but it still flies very, very low. And I think also another statistic is that people are really productive only three hours and 40 minutes a day out of probably eight to 10 hours in the office. So we're talking about really astounding numbers, and the opportunity is enormous in terms of performance booster. But the solution is not what you, what you expect it to be. It's kind of um, not counterintuitive, but paradoxical, meaning it goes against the grain of what we've done and what we believe. So, you know, we've all learned when we were kids, you know, go and do your homework and play later. <laughs> okay, fine. That's the disciplined way, you know, of dealing with life. And that, that's okay. But, you know, in the creative world, the creative economy, in the fourth revolution, industrial revolution, I'm not sure that's the best way to go. Certainly mm. discipline is important, but it lives in a bigger frame, which is what it is to be human, what it is to find joy at work, presence at work. And to be present is something that's given to us, okay? It's, it's, it's our state of, of, of life, but because everything is so process-based, everything is so goal-oriented, everything is so measured, you know, peer reviews every year, sorry, um, personal reviews every year, once or twice a year, all these things that measure people and put them into into that, you know, tunnel vision actually limits their ability to be agile, limits their their ability to be creative, and, and and limits their ability to actually find joy and and naturally engage at work. So those Mm. things are actually pretty explainable but we're so much on the far side of logic and we think that to get people more productive we need to put processes we need no and and you know companies do lots of things they pay for free lunch you know they create amazing offices with beautiful views of the thames or you know the the east river in in, in new york on the east side but what's really missing at the core is understanding the human factor so I'm going to say it very simply. You can be rational, two plus two equals four, you know, working, to, eating less to lose calories and so on and so forth. Great. To lose weight. Okay, we get that. Mm-hmm. That's rational. Two plus two equals four. And then that's what's irrational. It would be so fantastic to never sleep so I have 24 hours to myself and I could do so many more things. But we know that if we really are that deprived of sleep, you know, we'll end up at the hospital. That's irrational. And in between, there is what's non-rational. Emotions, sensations, um, inspirations, intuitions, and that's what makes us human. And unfortunately, 
in the process of making decisions, in the process of thinking, business, approaching the way we organize work, we equate non-rational to irrational. We put it on that, in that, in that, in, on that side of the equation, and we only focus on, on what's rational. Why do we do this? Because what's rational can be controlled. What's rational can be processed, and what's rational can be moved through strategy, delivering outcomes. Fabulous. But in doing this, we've excluded what truly makes us human. And ask Tesla engineers what they spend their days on today, trying to really create a reliable driver's car. They're trying to replicate that non-rational aspect of what it is to be human into their AI. <laughs> so that's the irony. Mm. <laughs> the whole, the whole uh, you know, world of science today and artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence, whatever you call it, is really trying to imitate the exact part that is left out in the way we think management. And it seems obvious. Oh. But I can tell you, um, it's still extremely real. And I can give you examples, like very recent examples. I'm working with a client. They want to revive uh, their makeup um, division. It's mega, mega brand. looks like billions of dollars. And, um, and they're looking at the fact that they belong to an enormous group. That's like tens of billions of dollars. And, of course, there are corporate functions and processes and, you know, data management and top-down stuff and supply chain, like lots of regulations. But they realize that the makeup division needs to be more agile, needs to, you know, for lots of different reasons. So latest conversation is we need to bring more freedom within the framework for that division, meaning collapsing some processes, making decisions faster. But the way they phrase the objective, more freedom within the framework is exactly what Squircle is denouncing because now freedom is circle, framework is the square, and listen, it's more freedom within framework. What about more freedom and a framework? More freedom with a framework, <laughs> you know? Because if you start with a framework, all the conversation will already be in the box of the corporate pressure that actually is not exactly related to business. It's abstract. It's, it's, you know, it's processes. It's corporate. It's very remote from the consumer, very remote from the employee and the engagement of the employee. So that's the kind of thinking that you can apply even from the beginning of stating the problem all the way through how you resolve the problem to get to deeper, deeper solutions, deeper, um, deeper ideas. And mm-hmm. so that's what Quirkle does. It's, it's a big task. <laughs> it's a big task, yeah. but it works, yeah. and it delivers solutions. So what's, what's the process? I, I, what I'd like to come back to in a minute is talking about how it's all being impacted at the moment, given the uncertainty and how things are changing with the pandemic and so on. But start by telling us um, how you work with people with that. You, you've sort of touched on it already, but you talked earlier yeah. about the, no. the serious game that you play you know what's the process yeah Yeah. so first of all the philosophy what i believe is you create your life one decision at a time Mm -hmm. one day i decided to leave france to come into the united states it was for it was for a week (laughs) 25 years (laughs) later i'm still here so decisions (laughs) decisions impact your life okay um so we create our reality we create our lives and create our culture our company culture a decision at a time and there is a professor uh, very well known um, at MIT, Stone School of Management, by the name of Edgar Schein. 
that says one of the best ways to really look carefully, deeply about your culture is through decision-making. So that's what we do. We, we, we help people understand how they make decisions and how they stay rational, aware of the cognitive biases, aware of, you know, um, the reality and the constraints, etc. So it's a very holistic way of looking at decisions, but it's holistic in the sense that, yes, you, you have a, a, a rational process of thinking, but you also have an emotional process of thinking. And it doesn't mean that emotions are reliable, but it means that emotions are what really speaks to your engagement. Um, so you can't discount that part because it's not rational. You need to take it into the consideration. So that's what we do. We help people look at how they make decisions through 17 parameters in a way that's absolutely honoring the rational aspect of any situation, but also takes into consideration the non-rational and obviously exclude anything that would be irrational. So that's what we do. And, and to show people that we can all make decisions that are deeper, both rational, but also deeper, more substantial, more humane, more human, and that gets you to be actually more agile, more creative to the point that you can engage through complexity and solve those very complex challenges that everybody's facing, we take people through a game. And the game puts people in a situation where if they only use strategy, only use logical mind, they cannot work their way through the game and they cannot deliver the measurable results that's expected at the end of the game. And I describe all of this in the book that you mentioned, Squirkle, A New Way to Think for a New World, in chapter six of the book. It's detailed in every aspect of what the game is about and what you have as an experience and how you shift from not being able to solve the complex problem and delivering the measurable results to actually being able to move through the complexity of the challenge and deliver results in a way that's dependable, repeatable, and creates well-being at the same time and delivers performance, obviously. And the only one thing that's required is a change of attitude. The change of attitude is the following. You move from believing falsely that your mind can control everything to giving up this idea of control so the only one thing that you give up is an idea. You don't give up anything. <laughs> Giving up the idea of control, using your logical mind, but in a non-dominant way, so that mm -hmm. the part of you that's alive, sensing life, sensing other, others, and being able to actually settle cues where the solution to your complex problems is, or are, rather, you know, that innate intelligence surfaces because your logical mind is no longer domineering, so therefore you can start feeling, you can be present, and all the abilities that you need to solve the complex problem that is at the heart of this game come to the fore, move you through the complex situation, and allows you to deliver results. It's incredible, and it works. I've never, I've never seen any group, one single group around the world, and I've done that on five continents with probably 50 different nationalities, I've never seen a group not being able to succeed. It sounds fascinating. I'm just thinking, I've just been imagining sort of different types of people who sort of come at it from, you know, with their perspectives and how it might, 
initially sort of frighten a few people because <laughs> expecting okay, them to so, yeah. <laughs> and other people so, okay, maybe so, spo- <laughs> yeah. spoiler alert so I've done it in banking I've yeah. done it in um, in uh, pharmaceutical industry so I've uh-huh. done it you know and of course I've done it also in advertising agencies etc so you know more creative to less creative you would say or more regulated yeah. uh, than others uh, scientists I've done it with all the head of research, 120 uh, directors of research at Danone yeah. in their leadership days, where the whole of R&D was, you know, reviewing the year past and reviewing the, war, the year ahead and how they should work and everything. And the whole, the two goals were to make sure that Danone researchers were including the consumer earlier on in the process of research and that they were um, leveling Silos, so less silos between different researchers. Okay, oh. so there's about two two thousand researchers uh, at Danone at the time. That was uh, maybe five years ago, and 120 were there in the room, who were all PhDs, all directors of research, and um, and we took them to the game. So what I'm trying to say, those are scientists, hardcore scientists, PhDs, yeah. you know, very sophisticated brain, mm-hmm. and in the room, and they all loved it at the end. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. the way I do it is. I don't, I don't say anything, you know, we, we discuss with a rational conversation at the beginning, we discuss what the objectives of the day, what the outcomes would be, the measure of success of those days that we spent together. And then, you know, I present it as a break and as an icebreaker. And people are used yeah. to do icebreakers. It takes 15 minutes. And, and, and in those 15 minutes, there's a before and an after. There's a true personal experience and realization that we have everything it takes, it takes within us to solve a complex challenge. And the only one thing is shifting from a dominant position. I can find the strategy to move through the complex challenge and it will deliver the solution. Or having the humility to say, I don't know. I'm willing to play an experience, an experiment like a scientist. And then what comes up, what surfaces is this, as I said, in its capacity to adapt to an unknown uh-huh. situation. Of course, that's, that's who we are as humans. You know, we're talking about skiing before the, before the show. Yeah. What do we do when yeah. the fog, you know, and there's like deep snow and, and bumps, you know? Well, your body has adapts. You find a way, you know? And, and, um, and, and that's what exactly what happens. And, 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 and the only one thing I said, as I said, is just a change of attitude. And the way I bring people into this is through breathing. Because when you really go into deep breathing and you accept that breathing happens no matter what, you are allowing a natural intelligence, you know, to be recognized. By recognizing it, you allow it to come to the fore and to actually move you through the fog and the deep snow slope that you find yourself on. And that's yeah. the same in business. You know, we human on the slopes, we human in the meeting room, you know. And, and then I explain it scientifically. And I, and I show the model behind it that you have two, two options here, either to dominate, believing that you will find the way that you can represent yourself intellectually, that you can explain to others, and it will deliver results, which is good for non-complex, for complicated situation, but doesn't work for complex situation. And yeah. the other posture is I focus on the process, I give up the outcome, I accept to be present in the unknown and the, and the not knowing, and then something happens. And then something happens, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, and then something happens um, that is um, that seems like magic, <laughs> but you know, Einstein said, you know, either you decide to live every day as if it were a magical day, you know, or you don't. And if you don't, you know, you won't have very much of a creative life. <laughs> you know, yeah. and he was a great yeah. scientist. So, so that's this this innocence, so to speak, this openness. And because we don't teach them, but we take them to an experience, you know, and of course some people in the group completely get the experience, you know, now they're learning peer-to-peer, you know, I don't have to teach anything. And then the teaching part yeah. is explaining it through the model and the science and then positioning them on the, on the model. So I've asked them to take an assessment. They enter the assessment. I've got the average profile of the group and I put the average profile of the group on the model. And now I explain to them how they behaved during the game and how their profile shows that they usually behave in the workplace and they see the difference. And not only do they yeah. see the difference, but they also see, and I can explain to them, what it will take for them to bring what happened during the game to the, to the office, to the yeah. job. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and then starts, yeah, yeah. That was my next question, actually, although just before that, just laughing about your reference to skiing, what we say when, when things get tough out on the slopes, my father-in-law um, always used to say, feel the force, Luke, from Star Wars, <laughs> which actually is sort of what you're saying. It's, it's the same principle in, in some ways, um, you know, about sort of letting go of the solid and actually letting the process, you know, make things happen. Guide something. you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... so um, so yeah, that that bit about bringing that back into the workplace. I mean, that's always the the sort of potential disconnect between training and development and what you then do sort of back in in the workplace. How? Because I, I can see this sort of thing um, feeling like a a revelation in the moment. Yes. But then when you're yes. in you know normal place with the normal issues and the normal situations, yes. how how do yes. how do you feel that that gets sort of taken back in? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. It's a very important question. This is the essential question in a way, because once you have the revelation, what do you do with it? So, you know, we don't typically train people. We, we help them solve complex problems. In, yeah. the solving of the, in the process of solving the complex problem, they, they have an experience. So, and, mm-hmm. and, they, and they realize that there is actually a mindset and an attitude yeah. that takes them through the complex problem. So, so everything we do is already applied. We, we really start from what keeps you up at night, what is the channel you want to work on, that's the he or she boss that decides on this, then we bring people in the room, we interview everybody before, you know, as to what would be the best way to work together, which objective should we refocus on to solve that complex problem, what would be the deliverable. So there's an agreement prior. We present the agreement at the beginning, everybody agrees again on what we heard, and then off we go. So we, we take people through this revelation, I think the word is very well chosen, um, in the process of helping them solving a problem. So we're already in the workplace, so to speak. Now Mm -hmm. you're right. The workplace Mm -hmm. comes with stress, the workplace with corporate functions, with reporting and all that stuff. So where where we, we do two things. One is whoever is kind of the top of that business unit or division where those people are going to go back into, you know, that person we work with that person for one to three months. So there's an understanding of what it means for the work culture and especially for the way of making decisions. So we bring it back to very concrete aspects of business, and that is 
how do I make decisions? And people don't realize that they make decisions from a square. What I always say is we have glued to our retina a black and white. <laughs> Immediately, we look at a situation, it's either right or wrong. It's either better or worse. It's either too long or too short. And as soon as you do this, you miss out in the whole subtlety of the situation because nothing is black and white in life, neither life, you know, nature, <laughs> nor human relationships, nor the relationship to your consumer, nor the relationship to your competitor, nor the relationship to your product, and so on and so forth. It's always a gray zone. This is in the details, in the subtlety that the solutions lie. So people have an epiphany, you know, and we show them that actually the black and white lens is a choice. You don't have to engage with a situation coming from judgment. You can engage yeah. in a situation like any scientist, researcher, who is, you know, painstakingly has brought himself or herself to a place of understanding a theory as a master to the point that he or she challenges the theory and experiments over years uh, to get on the other side of the theory to actually evolve the theory into a new, into a new model. And mm-hmm. the epiphany model or the, 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 the art in science is when you go through the experiment is to be able to notice the unusual, the low signal in statistics, in data, you know? So that ability to actually go beyond what's rational, go beyond what's known, go beyond what's black and white. So, you know, when you make the comparison with science, that reassures everybody because now we're back into the, okay, it makes sense. (laughs) So it makes sense that things don't always make sense. And it makes sense to accept that things don't always make sense and to accept them for what they are and to be influenced by them to the point that new ideas emerge. Yeah. And you should yeah. know that there is a, a, a school, a very well-known school, MIT, you know, that has developed this for, you know, social progress, mostly social organizations called the ULAB. And that's what they do. You know, it's like letting things emerge rather than trying to control the process. Mm-hmm. And when you let things emerge, you can peer through complexity and through com- working through complexity is what will really deliver an evolutionary solution as opposed yeah. to a prefabricated solution born out of what you know and produces what you already know <laughs> or yeah. some variation of what you already know. But we're not talking about a variation here. We're talking about a real evolution because now let's talk engagement in the workplace and let's talk burnout. The yeah. numbers that the, you know, COVID has revealed something that was already there. In 2019, the numbers were horrendous when it came to burnout, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's, it's a registered disease at the World Health Organization because they think it's defined as a chronic stress that has not been successfully managed and creates energy deple- depletion, exhaustion, less of, loss of productivity, and sometimes diseases and sometimes ruined careers. And, uh, and companies don't even know what to do with these people because it's so hard to bring them back. And it's hard also to spot the person who's going to go into burnout. So there's a whole um, complex challenge there that um, is the produce or the outcome, the product, I should say, um, the outcome of, of this very square way of bringing people to behave in, in following processes as opposed to being free to use processes to the benefit of the performance, the benefit of the value chain, the creation, the creation of value, the chain 
to, I don't know how to learn English. So, okay, you understand that. Okay, instead, yeah. the process is there to help you. The process is not here to dominate you. And mm. and um, and that that's you know when people start when when you have somebody who who really leads a division and starts understanding this, it's going to take a bit of time. But then where stress will limit your productivity because you know there's a bell curve when it comes to stress, and yeah. the bell curve is. Stress and productivity grow together. So actually, stress induces more productivity. Great. But to a certain mm-hmm. point, when you reach a certain level of stress, then your productivity starts flattening okay. and decreasing. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what we do allows for more stress to not depleting productivity. Mm-hmm. Because when you free the circle from the square, people regain their ability to actually handle stress much better. So it's not lowering the stress level in the environment, it's raising the bar of the ability of the individual to live on the stress in a way that will not take them over to the point that it depletes their energy, depletes their creativity, mm-hmm. depletes their productivity, and increases the risk of burnout. So that's the yeah. virtual cycle that you want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, all this stuff is so important at the current time with everything being so uncertain as well. You know, we, yeah. we don't have the structures. We're trying to sort of recreate them, I suppose, but we don't want to do that, take away the the, the importance of, of people and, and, as you say, letting things develop as, as the world changes sort of thing. Thank you so much, yeah. Francis. It's so interesting talking to you today. Thanks for joining me. You're so welcome, Joe. So I hope people will go to squircleacademy.com and they can take a free assessment there to um, realize how they approach decision-making and, and, you know, fabulous to be approaching it from a square perspective, but understanding that the square perspective should never dominate the experience yes. for their own benefit to themselves and for, of course, the benefit of their team. So hopefully yeah. uh, something was gained, a few insights were useful to your listeners. And thank you very much, Joe. I really appreciate you being on your show. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. And just to let you know, next week, Joe Moffat will be back and she's talking with Danny Hadass, who's founder of the Emovation Project. And they're talking about the forgotten path to profit, which is people. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.